You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Frankie. Welcome back. Hey, Adam. Welcome back. We're back. To get the sense from the social media reaction to the fact that we were, you know, recording our new episode that people didn't think we'd be back. Yeah. Whether they were reading some subtext that I wasn't aware of. But. We were always coming back. I think people are still upset that I put end of series in my tweet that <laughs> time. I'll never live that down. But we are back. We, we promised we would be. Adam moved house. Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, it's been a, it's been an experience for Adam. It's an ongoing trauma. <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing is he's set up to record, and that's all that we care about. Literally, so. I can record a podcast <laughs> in this house. I can't use a bath because I have no hot water well, and no bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your priorities in the correct order, though. So, mm-hmm. and I can't smell you over Zoom, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm happy with that. It'd be called pu. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> Nice to be back though, isn't it? Yeah, I've been watching Poirot in the in the break, staring longingly, being like, oh, I wish I was typing a lot of notes about this as I watched. <laughs> Colour-coding <laughs> parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we are back and uh, thank you to everyone that sent nice messages saying how much they missed us. Shall we get in straight into messages, actually, I, and just talk I, about that part? We've been off for a while, haven't we? There have been quite a few messages and we want to get through them. So let's just say right yes. up front, this is going to be a bumper episode because... Why not? Series three. Series three. Se- season three. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I never learn, clearly. Uh, great. Well, first thing I actually want to talk about uh, is, while we were off, the very lovely Teresa Peschel of Peschel Press, who I've talked about before, who I regularly fan girl whenever they like any of our posts on Instagram. Uh, she wrote this amazing tome Right. Agatha Christie, she watched, it's called. And it's one woman's plot to watch 201 Agatha Christie movies. Basically, she's watched every single one of these from all over the world, all different time periods. And she's written and reviewed each and every one of them. Wow. And it's incredible. Yeah. So Teresa was very kind and sent us a copy, which I'm looking after until you've settled into your house and then you can borrow it. Adam. Um, Send it along, please, now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a fascinating read for anybody that's really into Agatha Christie, really into uh, the adaptations and wants to learn more about them from all literally all over the world. Like there's Bollywood adaptations of Borrow wow. in here. Dead Man's Bollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's lazy at best. Come on. You should know better. <laughs> Hollywood could do better than that. And the dance numbers. Imagine the dance numbers, though. (laughs) My goodness. Uh, But it is fantastic. It's a great read. It's on Amazon if anyone wants to pick it up. Or you can Mm. go to uh, peschelpress.com. P-E-S-C-H-E-L. Peschel. Press.com. (laughs) 
yes <laughs> good teamwork there but yeah it's called agatha christie she watched so go and grab a copy because it's great and very very interesting so that's oh, i can't wait uh, <laughs> we can pry it from my cold dead hands if you like <laughs> it's cheaper uh let me get to emails because we had quite a few okay so the first email we had was from dean hello dean bonjour hey, dean. shall i say i've forgotten <laughs> he says, Bonjour. Uh, recently discovered your podcast, thoroughly enjoying them. My routine now dictates I watch each TV episode in order via Brickbox, then listen to your accompanying podcast episode, which is exactly what we wanted. Uh, yeah. So good job. He says, Keep up the great work. I'm about to dive into Four and Twenty Blackbirds. One question. Do you guys have the same affinity for Joan Hickson's portrayal of Miss Marple? Your excellent post-watch format would work perfectly with St. Mary Mead's Resident Sleuth. That was from Dean. I own them and I have lovingly bought a great big box set as well. It looks like War and Peace. It's a huge red book and you open it up and there's all these discs. And I remember it being hugely expensive and I asked family members to get it for me for Christmas one year and I got it. I was very pleased to get it and I rewatched them all. But there's something a little drier, I think, about the Marvel mm. series. And I don't think it will ever touch Poirot because he's such a flamboyant character. And she's just a little bit too passive for me. She's just not as interesting. Mm. It's all about the characters in the actual mystery, isn't it? And it's sort of her observing and watching and then coming into it at the end to tell them how it was done and, and what happened kind of thing. With Poirot, he's mm. right in there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I do. If a Marple's on on a Sunday afternoon, I will watch it. And mm. I've seen a lot of them and I do always enjoy them, but it's just not the same as Poirot. And I think also <laughs> one thing that annoys me a bit about Marple, and annoyance seems like a strong word for it, but she's not qualified to solve crimes. <laughs> she's yeah. just a nosy old woman. <laughs> I respect it. And I, I, I've said many times that that will be my future. I have no doubt. That's exactly how I'm spending my retirement at the age of 90 when the Tories will allow me to retire. But uh, <laughs> at least Poirot is coming at it from an educated, qualified detective perspective. The suspective? No, that doesn't work. Um, so yeah, that is my kind of suspect. Oh, that's better. You see, this is why we work well together. Uh, and yeah, so I do enjoy them. And I think out of all of the Marples, Joan Hickson is the best. I think we can all agree oh, yeah. on that at the very yeah. least. I do, um, I do but... think the production values and, and everything are, are fantastic and on a mm. par with the Poirot things. I just don't find yes. her as a character as compelling. Joan right. Hickson is the most perfect Marple you could ask for because she totally embodies the oh, character. Yeah. That said, I do love Marple and I especially love the Margaret mm. Rutherford movies um, because she sort of, yes. you know, she's so sort of action adventure <laughs> hero version, which is totally not Christie, I know, but I do really enjoy those films. Completely agree. But yeah, sorry, fun. Dean, I don't think you're going to be getting a Marple. <laughs> yeah, when, Dean, you're not unfortunately <laughs> going to get a Marple podcast from us anytime soon, but stay tuned for Podathan Creek. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> people actually, the amount of tweets I've seen of people being like, I've started watching Jonathan Creek because of what you guys said, and I'm very excited for the podcast. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you better. Damn one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I've committed publicly now. Pod of the uh, Creek, and then we'll do great. Marpcast. Marpcast. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> damn defensive. You're damned offensive. We have a lovely email from Victoria. Uh, a subject line is, thank you, and please hurry back soon. We're back, Victoria. Uh, and she says... 
Bonjour from New York. New York? New York. Yes. And she says, I'm writing to say I'm a huge fan of this podcast, even though I'm not typically a podcast listener. I've been an Agatha Christie fan since I was 12 and recently found your podcast when I was deciding what to listen to next, as I usually listen to an Agatha Christie audiobook to pass the time at work. There's just something very comforting about Poirot stories and your podcast is exactly what I was looking for. Something that pertains to Poirot, but not necessarily a Poirot a book I've read dozens of times. Thanks very much. Uh, she says, I'm very, I'm a very introverted person, so don't really discuss Agatha Christie's brilliant stories with many people. Your discussions are very refreshing to listen to. Um, they're probably filthier than most would expect. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of the time, but if that's refreshing, then I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're all there. Um, yeah, don't listen to the. Um, I would say don't listen to the fan fiction version of this podcast that we also produce <laughs> on the dark web. <laughs> that's our, our only <laughs> ags. No, it doesn't it's work. No, it's not not for introverts. I must. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, she says, as I listen to your episodes throughout my workday, you both make me smile, and sometimes even sometimes even laugh out loud i'll take the sometimes that's more than i get in my house uh, at this point <laughs> yeah. uh, at this point i consider you both as my co-workers i love the amount of detail that goes into every podcast episode please come back soon i'm really looking forward to the next season as there are more novel slash feature length episodes thank you for creating this podcast and thank you for having it available on spotify not sponsored uh, all the best victoria oh i love you victoria and it's so nice to work with you day after day. When do we get paid for this job, though? Victoria, can we have a raise, please? <laughs> the least you could do, Victoria. We had another lovely email from Ross. And he says, Bonjour, mes amis. I recently started listening to your wonderful podcast and I'm currently binge listening through every episode. It's wonderful to find my fellow anoraks when it comes to all things Suchet Poirot. I hope you didn't find this email damned offensive. You're damned offensive. Or the author, a dirty swine. Dirty swine. I had particular joy during the Hugh Fraser interview, having forgotten I had tweeted a question at the time. I love it when that happens. Uh, to my <laughs> utter delight, you asked this to the great man about his wonderful, although very dark, crime novels. He meant mentioned something that had me thinking about the ultimate Anrak trivia that people may or may not about know about the show. So here are my top three. So are you ready for Ross's top three Anorak facts? Anorak Born ready. Number one. Hugh mentioned the competition to get good lords into his episodes. Did you know that Anthony Horowitz managed to sneak in three into the short episode of The Adventure of the Egyptian Tomb? I did not. Three. Good lords. We'll, we'll count them when we get there, though. Yeah. Uh, it's annoying <laughs> in a way that this is only an audio medium, because if we had a screen, we could have a little good lord counter at the, the corner. Uh, number two. In the episode, The Theft of the Royal Ruby, the manga, I do know this one, the mango opening scene was added after David Suchet told a story about being taught by the Duke of Edinburgh how to eat a mango, basically. Uh, hence the line, a duke taught me. So it was the real Duke of Edinburgh that taught him how to eat a mango. Finally, my favourite. Did you know that one of the Whitehaven Four starred in one of the most iconic 1980s music videos? Yes. Ooh. Jap, Jap of the Yard, Philip Jackson stars as the leader of the motorbike gang in Aha's Take On Take Me. Take On video. Me. I did know that. Yeah, I, I was waiting for you to yeah. say it was a, a track by Blancmange. 
because of the actual <laughs> blancmange connections. But then I remembered, yes, oh, of course they he missed does. A trick. He plays the villain in Take On Me, doesn't he? Wow. That's right. And we do have a, he attached a screenshot. Great facts. He says, keep up the great work. I think you keep up the great work, Ross, because that was some good old Anna facts. While we were away, we talked about it quite a lot before we went. We did a screening of this episode that we're about to talk we about. We did an online watch along, which Tons was lots of, of fun, wasn't it? turned up as well, didn't they? Oh my God, it was absolutely packed, that room. I'm so happy. Yeah, it was amazing. Especially, uh, shout out to the number of Australians that stayed up till midnight to watch along with us. All over the world. Incredible. Insanity. Yeah. It was amazing. We need to do another one very soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to Rebecca, who she you may remember sent in a previous cocktail recipe that we shared uh, called the Dirty Swine. Dirty Swine. Uh, but she <laughs> thought, that especially for the screening, uh, Rebecca and her a very talented husband created a How Does Your Garden Grow themed cocktail, which we did share on our social channels. But I wanted to shout it out again for the listeners, if anyone missed it, called The Weed Killer, which is brilliant. Mm. And for anyone who wants to make it, we can put it in the show notes, right? Does it consist of just whiskey? Whiskey <laughs> with some chlorophyll. chlorophyll. No, <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's a spoiler alert. Uh, the, uh, the ingredients are two ounces of vodka, preferably Russian. See what she did there? Very smart. Half an ounce of lemon juice, three quarter ounce of rose water syrup. And she uh, says a ratio of two to one rose water slash and simple syrup. These are... Uh, cocktail things that I don't understand, but I'm sound delicious. Two dashes of Angostura bitters and a quarter ounce of whiskey with a garnish of a rose petal on the top. I wonder and how many iterations I- she and her husband went through to get to that combination and said, no, actually it needs another drop of Angostura bitters, please. That's perfect. One now more that's rose petal. they just threw it all over the garden and hope for the best but uh, i have also just wanted to say rebecca uh i have had a message on instagram from somebody who's actually made the cocktail and said it was absolutely delicious so Mm. you're doing very important valuable work for our listenership and we thank you for enabling the alcoholism that uh, is now running rife but (laughs) necessary Uh, for the benefit of the listener, <laughs> I just watched Adam swig a glass of wine as he said oh, that. Yes. Sip so. a glass of wine, thank you very much. Uh, I think it was a swig, but there is no judgment on this podcast. And one more email, and then we've got some we've got some social posts to do as well. Ooh, so cool. quite a lot it's a bumper episode, folks. He's going to have to get through this one, I'm afraid. We're back. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you said you missed us, so this is what you get. We're back, yeah. so deal with it. Younger, uh, more boring. <laughs> can we have that as the tagline for the show? Longer and Season more boring. Three. Longer, more boring. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We well, the final email I'm going to read out is from Kit. And Kit, who's the that? Of- what the hell? <laughs> Hang on a minute. No, that no. was too good. <laughs> no, thank you very uh, much. To be <laughs> or not to be. You're the Kenneth Branner of this podcast, Adam. <gasps> no. <laughs> In any other context, that would be fine. Well, I think because of the Shakespeare connection, I, I'm I'm sticking to that. Uh, anyway, Kit says, "Hi, Frankie and Adam. I really enjoy your podcast." I had a great time at the live watch long episode yesterday, which thank you for coming, Kit. 
was great. One thing that has struck, that has just struck me that I never actually figured out the answer for to the mystery. And I meant to look this up actually, and <laughs> I forgot. Why does Katrina hand the guy at the Soviet embassy a ticket to the flower show with WTF written on it? Maybe I just missed the explanation, but I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Thanks for all that you do. So what does W, I, we, we know what WTF stands for in the modern context, fellow kids. Uh, but what does it stand for in the Chelsea Flower Show? Uh, in the Chelsea the Flower Show, definition. it means what the future. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, water the future. <laughs> water the future. For the love of goodness. <laughs> Someone please think of the future. Do you know what's a very good question? I actually don't know. There's a few things in this episode that mystify me. There are certain trimmings that they drop in that make me go, oh, <laughs> oh hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. we'll get to that soon. So um, if you had a few posts, as always, before we record, I go on to Twitter and Instagram and ask people to send in little comments or questions or whatever they want us to talk about. And we got yeah. lots of lovely posts and just comments. Some of the comments did make me smile, such as I just said, we're, we're back and we're going to be recording. And Carrie uh, Rowing North says, hooray. So thank you, Gary. <laughs> Take that. Any exclamation marks? Uh, or... Similarly, there were a couple actually. Yeah, now that oh, you mention okay, it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's all right. Hooray. As as it wasn't just a flat hooray. <laughs> I, I was, no. Oh, yeah, no, maybe. Well, that's the problem with you can read yeah, in any tone um, in future. Can you please, please put if you're being sarcastic or not in your post so that I yeah. can. In brackets, please spell out the tone we're supposed to use when we read the message. Otherwise, it's. <laughs> hooray. That'd be really helpful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hooray. Uh, and hopefully this isn't sarcastic from Bridget. And she says, Bridget from Louisiana loves Poirot and your podcast, three exclamation marks. Please tell me that's her username. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> she didn't even write a comment. It was just that. Yeah. Thanks, Bridget. We love you. Uh, another lovely comment from Sybil St. Jude, who says, no question, just thank whoever the powers that be that you will be back. I guess that's thank you to you and I, <laughs> Adam. We have no powers sure in is. control of this. And Spotify, apparently. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, he says, work has been rather tedious without you to listen to. Obvs hope you had a great break, though. Thanks. Was your I break didn't. great? Frankie. No, no, not at all. But Frankie had a nice break, didn't you? <laughs> It was fine. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's good. I just did uh, just did other things, but not as fun. I just live in a world of boxes now, like Wally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's life. true. Uh, I, I don't want to make everybody jealous, but I did just get a video tour of Adam's new house, and uh, I can I can a personally attest he's not exaggerating. That is one hundred percent accurate what he said. <laughs> There are many rooms in this new house. But it's going to be great. And only one of them is usable. And Frankie's seeing that one right now. Yes. Well, there you go. So it's going to, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So we keep saying. It's going to be great. And these are a couple of comments um, about the actual episode itself. Uh, that we're about to talk about. And this one uh, from Poirot84 says, does it feel strange that Hastings had to sit this episode out? I think it's nice that he sits this one out because he doesn't really sit it I out. Agree. He has lots to do. But I think it's nice that um, it's a lemon-centric episode this time mm. because there were so many Hastings investigates on behalf of Poirot episodes in season two. So I'm really Yes. Thinking. Yeah, I agree. And also I think it's because uh, Hastings wasn't in the, in the, in the book. 
uh, he wasn't in the story for that. Oh, really? They added that this in as a nice little extra. Yeah. Mm. So it was, Lemon was, it's all about the lemon. Uh, mm. But yeah, so they, this is just, it was lovely to have him there. And obviously we'll get into it. Uh, he adds some delightful comic relief in this episode. So he plays his part, but uh, he leaves the detective work to Miss Lemon this time. And it's great. Um, okay, so some of the other comments that we've got are kind of very specific to the plot. So I think we'll save those and maybe we'll talk about them as we go. Shall we get into it? Cool. Yeah, let's do it. We're back, baby. Frankie, how does your garden <laughs> grow? Well, that's a very personal question. <laughs> how does your garden grow? Is it full of bathtubs in boxes? <laughs> it really is, yeah. My garden is the, the shame of the neighbourhood. It's a very exciting episode for Poirot right off the bat because we find out quite early on He's about to have a rose named after him. And they say a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. I defy, I defy you to find a rose that smells better than Poirot, especially because he's been treating himself to some fancy fragrances. Sure has. It's a Poirot's. Thank you, Mr. Poirot. A most discerning choice. You are most kind, Monsieur Trumper. You will send the account to my address, if you please. Well, yes, of course. Poirot is buying fancy perfumes from a Mr. Trumper, a man of many talents. Apparently, he does haircuts as well. <laughs> later on in the show, haircuts and scent. Anyway, Poirot is leaving Mr. Trumper's, having bought some scent, and happens to mention to Mr. Trumper that, if I may ask, is there a special occasion? Oh yes, a very special occasion indeed, Mr. Trumper. I am about to become a pink rose. That's the state of the Whitehaven Fort. Jap is there on hand at the Chelsea Flower Show to um, witness this monumental event, as is Hastings, and they are there to witness this monumental event, so that's what those three are doing. Miss Lemon is... She's just sorting out the office. I also go, can we just say for a second, I am incredibly impressed by how much Jap seems to know about flowers. <laughs> I, like, I know, That was right? a surprise. Hmm. Let's yeah. hear Jap on flowers. Of course, I would have expected you to be a polyantha rose rather than a hybrid tea. The scent is much stronger, you know. Ah, perhaps, but mine are magnificent by then. Polyantha rose and a hybrid tea? Like, uh, wow. I mean, he is uh, a, a man of many mysterious talents, I have to say. Hmm. I'd let him oh. in my lady garden any time. <laughs> It's kind of, it's passed off as banter, which I really like, because this is obviously 1930s yeah. banter between men. Your hybrid Flowers. Team. <laughs> Flowers. It's very... Yeah. It, is, it is peak, I would say, peak uh, masculinity, because they're talking about flowers, and then later on, they're like having ice cream sundaes together. It's just so cute. The whole thing's bloody adorable. I'll tell you what, this is the kind really of lad that. that I am, or should have been. If only this kind of lab culture existed these days because I'm nowhere near this generation. Um, so that's what the Whitehaven yeah. Corps are up to. Let, let's kick off the plot. What's the actual plot? How does this episode begin, Frankie? Go for it. Well, this episode begins with a very dramatic musical shift. It's all going to get a bit Russian uh, suddenly because we're at, as we alluded in one of the comments we had, the Soviet embassy and a very... Uh, statuesque striking woman arrives and meets a man there they talk in russian uh so we don't know what they're saying to each other uh they have a, I, i'm such an idiot i just read my notes uh they have a heated discussion in russian a disruption yep mm -hmm. the worst person um and this is where <laughs> she hands him the piece of paper that has wtf stamped on it uh and she leaves so it's something you think about the flower show. Something's going on and it's implied it's all very insidious and mysterious and dramatic. 
Something's going on. Okay, so after <laughs> that, t- 10 seconds research, Frankie and I have just discovered what the WTF on the ticket means. <laughs> Frankie, go ahead. What does it mean? It was water the fuchsias, though. It's not. It means <laughs> admission on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that's that's an anticlimax, just, isn't it? Well, did, they, did they actually still use that? Because that would be hilarious if they did. WTF, guys. Yeah, that is really, really weird. Um, okay, so that's a bit boring. Sorry if that's not the answer people were hoping for listening. <laughs> they thought it was something more, much more. Adam thought it was something military-based. Yeah, no. I thought it was something to do with the <laughs> war or some kind of, you know, wrath something or, you know, rend or something like that, but nope. Anyway, right. so um, this uh, Russian lady, the mysterious statuesque Russian lady, has handed someone at the Russian embassy a ticket to the Chelsea Flower Show that admits this gentleman on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, as we now know. So when Poirot gets back from visiting Mr. Trumper and he's all excited about his perfume, he's so excited, in fact, that he doesn't even look at his post. He's just in the bathroom scenting himself. And Hastings and Miss Lemon are waiting outside and Hastings is hurrying him along and there's this great dialogue. He went straight inside as soon as he came back from the shops. Didn't even read his letters. Strange. Perhaps he's dying his hair. But he's a man. He's there applying his scent from Mr. Trumper, the perfume pumper. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine the aroma he emits, (laughs) Mr. Trumper. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so Poirot's off to the Chelsea Flower Show having been pomaded and perfumed within an inch of his life. And there at the flower <laughs> show is Miss Amelia Barraby, who is being pushed along in her wheelchair by the very same statuesque Russian girl we saw at the beginning. They're visiting the flower show, along with Amelia Barraby's niece, uh, yep. Mary Delafontaine, and her, let's be honest, husband. alcoholic husband, Henry De- <laughs> Delafontaine. <Yeah. laughs> and we find out he's an alcoholic straight away because Amelia says, I can't imagine why you're so keen on coming here. You know Mary takes care of the garden. Nevertheless, it does belong to me. That was unnecessary, Auntie. As was a certain bill I received this morning from the wine merchants for spirits. I've already spoken with Henry on that subject, Aunt Amelia. Yes, so uh, they arrive at the flower show. Uh, Miss, Miss Amelia Barraby is in a bit of a bad mood, I would say. She's kind of snapping a bit, as we've heard in the clip, and she is very flustered. And then she goes into the... She wants to go look at the roses. She goes inside. Katrina wheels her in in her wheelchair, and she spots Poirot and mm. quickly gets rid of gets rid of Katrina, who we find out this statuesque Rus- Russian lady. Her name's Katrina, and she's kind of the companion uh, helper quickly you see her there's like a, a display of seed packets and she starts mm. fiddling around with them and she sees Poirot and she bumps into him pardon madame no, please allow me no it is my my, uh, my my attendant has left me for a few moments thank you oh it's uh, it's Mr Poirot surely that is correct I was quite bedazzled it all looks so beautiful doesn't it ah an inspiration you have a garden of your own one day I hope to retire to grow the vegetable marrows, but until then I have only the window box. Ah. Then you must take these with my compliments. Oh, no, really, madame. Uh, Miss... Uh, Miss Barraby? Amelia Barraby? Please, uh, 
I insist. I'm sure you'll find them quite a revelation. So Amelia um, passes Poirot a seed packet, and on the front is written very clearly, stalks, the type of flower, a stalk, and underneath the variety of the flower is Catherine the Great. And she seems to be urging him somehow to take notice of this seed packet. And um, mm. She puts yeah, it in he, his pocket. She touches she him. She does. Yeah, she shoves it in there. Yeah. to touch him. <laughs> finish with you prefer the back pocket, not the front, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> where the pound coin sits. Um, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> exactly. she, tells him that, <laughs> she tells him that the seed packet <laughs> will contain quite a revelation. Hmm. Mm mysterious uh and that's after that is where we see the very uh manly moment of poirot japanesing sitting down having some ice cream which i love so much <laughs> but this is when they start talking hastings for a start this is hastings arc throughout the episode starts sneezing up an absolute storm basically throughout the episode actually from the beginning and they they posit that he's perhaps got a bit of hay fever on the go and there's that amazing moment where he asks Poirot for his handkerchief because his is getting a bit damp. <coughs> hay fever. The hay fever? No one before? Hastings. I've got a handkerchief I could borrow if you borrow. This one's getting a bit damp. Unfortunately not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so just good. so funny. Because that's, uh, let's be but honest, he... that's exactly what I would do as well. Uh, excuse me, can I, oh, blow, can I blow wet body fluid all over a piece of something that you own and like? Mm, no. And then give it back to you <laughs> yeah. to, to put it's in your, your pocket. It's your problem now. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is gross. Handkerchiefs in general, I have a real problem with. I think they are pretty disgusting. There's a reason why that uh, mm. tradition died out. It's during this sit down sneeze fest that... Uh, Poirot comments that, oh, he gets his handkerchief out. He finally relents and gives it to Hastings. And the seed packet comes out and he tells Jap and Hastings what happened. And Jap makes a very astute observation. <laughs> that is a gift from an admirer, Hastings. Mademoiselle Amelia Barbie. Really? Well, I don't think you'll be getting many blooms from this lot, though, Poirot. She's not of a good variety? Oh, yeah, it's one of the best. Thing is, there's no seeds in it. So why is she stiffing him out of seeds? Why is she teasing him? What a bit. <laughs> she was hungry. Leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't afford rose-flavored Turkish delight, so she went for the, the sauce. <laughs> so that's weird. And it, but Poirot was definitely intrigued by this revelation. Like, why was he given this packet? She acted very oddly. She bumped into him, and there's nothing in the seed packet. So what? What's the deal with the seeds? Anyway, yes. we go to the Barabi's home. The cook, Lucy, is having the night off. She asks if Katrina will be dining. She says um, she's running an errand, so Katrina will not be dining with them. The reason why Katrina's not there is because she's picking up a prescription from the doctor for okay. Amelia. We've, we learn earlier on in the episode that she's not uh, very well. She's been suffering from indigestion issues. That's what the doctor thinks. So Katrina is going to pick up a little prescription that she will be administering to Amelia later on that night. So back to the Whitehaven 4. Hastings sneezing is becoming somewhat serious. <laughs> In fact, he's really f***ing Poirot off. I just can't understand it. I've never had this trouble before. And I cannot say with certainty that I have noticed it. I did have a bit of stick with an allergy once, but that was... Wouldn't that be a rash, perhaps? 
savage, Burn. <laughs> but, but when Poirot, when they get back, Miss Lemon reminds Poirot that he still hasn't looked at his morning post and it's on his desk. So, you know, if you don't t- do what Miss Lemon tells you, I mean, you're a brave man and possibly into some quite kinky stuff, but go read your post. So he, fo- he finally follows orders and he does. And then he finds a letter from... From Mademoiselle Emilia Barabi. From the same woman. Seems strange you didn't mention writing to you. Listen to this. Dear Monsieur Poirot, I hope you will forgive the form of this letter, but I have to be very careful. For some time now, I have been concerned that something is very wrong in my household. When age began to catch up with me, my niece, Mary, and her husband agreed to take care of me in return for a roof over their heads. It's all there, madam. Oh, and the soup and fish par on a low light. Thank you, Lucy. Mary runs the house efficiently enough, although her husband, Henry, has one particular weakness of which I thoroughly disapprove. Then, about a year ago, I had cause to engage a young Russian girl as my companion. Oh, there you are. Tell my aunt we'll have supper directly. I am assured from your description that you are discretion itself. Even so, I hardly dare set down the matter that is troubling me. My worry is that if word of my suspicions reach the wrong person, I very much fear what might happen. Henry? Come in, darling. For this reason, I must continue to behave as normally as I can. In case this person should take fright. Madame. What does he put into these things? For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. If you will help me, perhaps you would call and speak with me at the above address as soon as possible. Yours very truly, Amelia Parabay. It's quite a long letter, but what the kind of gist of it is, is that Amelia is saying something is wrong in her household uh, and she's a bit fearful about what's happening and she wants Poirot to basically come and look into it for her because she's very concerned. She doesn't really go into a lot of detail about what she's concerned about, but she gives him a bit of an overview about who who the people she lives with are. Uh, She talks about her niece, Mary, and her husband and talks about Katrina as well. So Poirot... This now gives the seed packet a whole new kind of mystery element. So she thought she'd read the he'd read the letter when she bumped into him, and now she's given him the seed packet. So he is very uh, intrigued and excited, but he's already determined from all the sneezing that he's not going to take Hastings along for the ride on this one because his hay fever is a liability at this point, and Poirot's running out of hankies, I guess. So he <laughs> drafts Miss Lemon in to perform detective, backup detective duties, shall we say, for this one. What does it mean? Probably has an active imagination. A lot of old dears do. Rosebank, Sherman's Green. Where is that? South. Borders of Surrey. Green fields, certainly. <laughs> not sure I like the sound of that. Eh bien, at the first thing tomorrow, Miss Lemon, I would like you to accompany me on a visit to Mademoiselle Amelia Barraby. If you wish, Mr. Poirot. It's just worth describing the seed packet itself, for those of you who haven't seen this episode yet. 
So it's a sort of pale green seed packet with some red flowers on it. At the top it says unwind seeds of quality. Underneath that it says stocks. And then there's a picture of some flowers that are red. And underneath that, the variety of stock is Catherine the Great. Good word painting, Adam. Oh, well, thank you very much. Paint with red. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut to Amelia Barraby's house. And obviously at the same time as Poirot is reading this, he but after he's announced first thing in the morning, he and Miss Lemon are going to go down there and figure out what's going on. Hastings will stay behind and presumably uh, just snot about um, Whitehaven with his runny, horrible nose. Uh, but it seems we get we, it's the evening time now. We're over at Amelia Barraby's house. It's quite late in the evening. They've had their dinner. Uh, Mary, the niece, is working on her garden in the front. Uh, Katrina, the maid, is uh, in her room. She's got like a little, she seems to be quite religious. She's kissing loads of pictures of, of saints and churchy things. I don't that. know much about She's into that sort of thing. No judgment. Um, whatever you're into, kissing is your business. Uh, uh, and then it cuts to Amelia in her room and all of a sudden she cries out in quite a lot of pain and distress. It's actually a very brutal scene. I, when we watched it in our watch along, yeah. people were pretty traumatized by how horrific this scene is, weren't they? It's really well acted and, and it's really well done mm. because she really goes to town. I don't think it's a spoiler to say she's poisoned with strychnine. Yeah, because yeah. you find that out very soon. But um, strychnine apparently causes your bones to bend and twist. Um, yeah, Rough. so uh, she does a fantastic bang-up job of um, portraying that very violent, horrible kind of death. It's really awful. Yeah, it's really sad. And obviously, like while, while that's all going on, she's crashed about and uh, Katrina runs in and then Mary runs away from the garden. We see she's been decorating the garden with some shells and she runs inside and she gets Katrina, get off her. And they're all kind of, you know, pandemonium steps in. But ultimately, unfortunately, it's too late uh, and Amelia Barraby dies. Get away from her! Henry de la Fontaine, the husband of the niece, <laughs> is in the garden shed at this point, drinking weed killer. And I'm doing the uh, quotey fingers there when I for the benefit of <laughs> Basically, because he's an alcoholic, he hides his alcohol in the garden shed in bottles labelled weed killer, etc. So he's in there having had a sniffer or two. He hears the commotion and runs in as well. Yes. Very brutal death. Yes. Do you agree? Yeah, because often in these episodes, obviously this is kind of cosy crime Sunday afternoon viewing. They don't tend to get super brutal and gory, obviously, but this one is actually quite dark. It reminds me a bit of Triangle at Rhodes when she's choking on the gin. You remember? Yeah. And it was quite prolonged yeah, really upsetting, and brutal. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So poor old Amelia Barraby. Uh, she, yeah, not a nice way to go, unfortunately. And the next day, oh, Miss Lemon and Poirot arrive uh, and they have some, this has been a bad theme for Poirot of him arriving the day after someone has died. Now, we've Again? seen it in a couple of episodes. What? God damn it. Come on, guys. <laughs> Write to me sooner, Hold yeah? On. His mum was a Barabi at home. Oh, sir. Didn't you know? It was last night she... I'm afraid she died, sir. 
it's actually a point that uh, Hastings made when they discovered the letter. Like, why didn't she mention it for earlier at the thing? <laughs> why didn't she say, read the letter I sent you? Get down your shellfish. Um, yeah, unfortunately, again, Poirot is too late. Really awful. Uh, but as they're walking in, they spot a couple of interesting things. So Poirot, first of all, spots some men working over the road. And they're looking at him. He's looking at them. And he kind of clocks it and goes, oh, okay, I see this. And Yeah. And the second thing they clock as they walk in is the garden mm. of Amelia Barraby. A most orderly garden, is it not? Very neat. They should have finished that edging there. Hmm. Ah! This is like your English nursery rhyme, Miss Lemon. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? With silver bells. Oh, pardon. I fear that this has been dropped in your garden. That's where it got to. Must have been dropped, what with... Thank you, sir. You vous en prie? So they arrive at the house, they've looked at the flower beds, and then they they ring the doorbell and Lucy, the... the oh, my God! <laughs> Lucy, <laughs> the, the cook, for heaven's sake. The cook? Yeah, whatever right. she does. She does she does loads of things. I'm sure she's got a very busy job and she's very important. <laughs> uh, Lucy, the cook, answers the door and Poirot asks if Amelia's home. And unfortunately, Nizzy has to break the news that she died. The night before, Painfully. again, yeah. Poirot is, yeah, really brutally. And he hands her the bell, actually, and goes, oh, I think this someone might have dropped this. And she's like, oh, it must have happened in all the chaos from last night when Amelia died brutally and horribly in that room back there. So that's awful. Then they go inside and they are waiting. And then Katrina is watching them from the landing. And she comes down and asks if Poirot is a lawyer. And instantly gets very defensive about Amelia's state of mind. You are a lawyer. Why should I be a lawyer, mademoiselle? I thought perhaps you have come to say she did not know what she was doing. That is not right. She wrote it down and so shall it be. Mary and Henry are quickly on the scene. Henry drops mm. many hints about, is it something to do with the Russian communist plot? He's obviously quite xenophobic. Chap. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Charles Lawton <laughs> crossed with Nigel Farage. Oh, what a combo. It was mm. good to start with there. Then you added that, that <laughs> bit at the end. <laughs> they can't all be perfect like Charles Lawton. What brings you to our house? Oh, forgive me, madam. Mademoiselle Barraby had written to me a letter and she wished to consult me on a certain matter. What matter? That was of a private nature, madame. You didn't mention Ruskies, did you? Pardon? Ruskies? Abolches, the red minnows. Henry, please. Sorry, I, I, I just thought... <laughs> Poirot can instantly spot that something is wrong, especially when he goes outside and gets in the car to drive away with Miss Lemon and um, spots that his driver has mysteriously transformed. Where to now, sir? You tell me. Chief Inspector. I wish my driver would mysteriously transform into Jap all the same. time. Even though I'm the driver, mm. I wish I was Jap. <laughs> yeah, same, usually. Yeah, we'll just turn turn Jaffa into Jap. That's not even that much of a letter difference, really. Jappa. 
Yeah, yeah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And yeah, it turns out that they have been on the scene, him and his lads, and those are the men that Poirot recognised earlier, because the family doctor who prescribed the pills, uh, the powders for Amelia said he knew something fishy was going on here. So they've been watching and doing surveillance uh, over over the whole period, and they they suspect foul play. So that is why Jap is... uh, having fun playing taxi driver <laughs> for a minute there <laughs> well the coroner quickly corroborates this opinion doesn't he and he tells everyone that amelia died from a huge huge dose of strychnine which is very painful way to die miss lemon who is on the case with Poirot, quickly investigates what everyone had for dinner better find out what they all had for dinner uh, miss lemon artichoke soup served from a tureen fish pie and apple tart I was chatting to the maid. She had some time off to see a film. All four of them at the same thing. Excellent, Miss Lemon. Can't have been in the food, then, if they all had it. Must have slipped it to the old girl separately. No, no, Chief Inspector. That cannot be. Hey? He's right. Strychnine's as bitter as gall. You can taste it in a solution of one in a thousand. Coffee. She never drank it. Well, I'm angry if I can see how anyone did it. Nevertheless, Chief Inspector... Someone in that household is a cold-blooded poisoner. I was trying to think of all these solutions for it, and they were like, no, no, no. Like, she would have tasted it. She would have known if it wasn't, you know. Uh, Also, great new additions to our recipe book. Thank you very much. (laughs) Not strychnine, necessarily, uh, you know, but the other bits. (laughs) It's the one-time-only book. (laughs) (laughs) That's the final uh, meal in the book. Uh, so no, we've we've got yeah. So we're gonna have some soup. We're gonna have some fish pie. And we're gonna have some apple tart. How do you feel about that menu, Adam? I actually yeah? really like fish pie, but I have a personal recipe for fish pie, which I of course I'm you extraordinarily do. proud of. I do. Yeah, I'll make it for you next time you come. Artichoke soup. Yes, I'm the only person in this house that likes artichokes, but I eat them. I love artichokes ravenously. And oh, apple tart. I made a really as- good artichoke pasta the other day. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, the artichokes I- in the jar with the oil that mm, you get. Yeah. Delicious. Got that, chopped it all up, garlic and um, some wild mushrooms in there. It was so good. And just fresh pasta. Oh, heaven. Yeah. Apple tart is fine as well. (laughs) As long as you don't out with it like putting raisins and currants mm. and dried fruits in there as well just apples are good enough with a bit of sugar and what about a tartata yeah i just don't okay. like it when they go here's an apple pie and you're great and you put a big spoon of it in your mouth and it's full of raisins and currants and something like, hang on this is not an apple pie it's an apple and currant pie thank you very much. <laughs> i can advertise the currants currently <laughs> i will yeah. sue you no i I feel that way about brownies when they go like, it's a brownie. And I'm like, you've put loads of walnuts in this because you've ruined it for Mm. everyone now. And that makes me upset. So I agree. I'm the same about carrot cake when they put raisins in carrot cake. Yes. Or cinnamon cinnamon rolls. Stop putting raisins in things. No one likes them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Cinnamon rolls. I like raisins, but advertise them. Yeah. Yeah. Please tell me. Don't surprise me. Horrifying way. You'd rather have strychnine in it than raisins. <laughs> no, tell you what. Yes. Sometimes when I've eaten currants, I just give me strychnine right now, just like an eel dying from your fault. Worth it. Suffer the raisins. <laughs> oh. Then they go then, and see uh... Doctor Sims. 
They go and see Dr. Sims, who was the family doctor who prescribed her her medication and also was the one that uh, gave the police the heads up that something dodgy was going on. Uh, and Dr. Sims gives them a lot of interesting information and background about Amelia and the family set up. Rich old Biddy takes in her penniless relatives, holds the purse strings. The temptation is to speed up the natural process and collect. So the Delafontaines, they were dependent on the money of Mademoiselle Barrapi? Totally. Hadn't a pain of their own. Dabbled in stocks and shares, I'm afraid. Crash hit them as badly as any of us. And they're her only living relatives. Yes. Certain to inherit. Substantial private income, by all accounts. Excuse me, Monsieur le Doctor. Was Mademoiselle Barbie taking the medicine of any kind? Not much we can do for her at that age. Just a cachet before meals to aid the digestion. Ah. Oh, no, it couldn't have been her powders. Katrina guarded those like a demon. Well, perhaps she slipped in the poison. But why? Katrina wouldn't poison her mistress. Much better keep her alive and remain employed. She wrote it down and so shall it be. She what? Possibly nothing. Poirot starts having a little think about that weird interaction he had with Katrina where she was talking about Amelia's state of mind. It's like she may have written down. So they go and see. Now, this scene is super weird. They go and see uh, her solicitor, Amelia Barraby's solicitor. And this scene went down a storm, I have to say, in the watch along that we did, didn't it? Because people were like, <laughs> WTF? <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Water <laughs> the future. Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, because for some reason, the solicitor is judging a horse show. I understand the problem, but I'm not due to read the will until next Saturday. The girl said to me, she wrote it down, and so shall it be. Have you any idea what she meant by that? I'm afraid I'm bound to remain silent. Monsieur Harrison, please forgive me. I am not asking you to break the confidentiality of a client. However, it is unfortunate that it suits the purposes of a murderer. Numbers 3, 9 and 14, please. It's rather a difficult decision, this one. These two are well known to everyone. The mayor and the gelding. Solid, reliable. And then there's this. A young filly, foreign bloodstock, unconventional. A new arrival in a close-knit stable. And which will win the prize? He's basically like, who benefits from Amelia Barraby's will? And the solicitor's being all like, I can't tell you because it's not till next week. And, you know, legal privilege, blah, blah, blah. I can't tell you. And being all like annoying about it. And Poirot's like, look, I understand you've got, you know, the whole law thing to follow, but time is of the bloody essence here. There's been a murder. Who, who was getting all the money? So what the solicitor does is a clever little... <laughs> bit of metaphorical uh, implication where he uses the horse judgment to tell Poirot who's going to benefit from Amelia Barraby's will. And which will win the prize? The new arrival wins it. It's obviously that thing where they were like, how can we, how can he tell him that who's going to benefit from the will without breaking client attorney privilege i just keep thinking of everyone else at the horse show being like what the hell is going on wtf is going on because he's basically talking to poor he's judging the horses 
Mm. What's with the fusions? Because he's like, is it the the young foreign filly and all this? And they're like, what? Why are you giving him all this weird extra detail? Honestly, just say the name Katrina. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yes, long story, long weird meandering side story. Later, it's Katrina. We find out is going to benefit from Amelia Barraby's will. So that's motive. And then we go back to the house and they found a strychnine bottle in Katrina's room, which seems to tie it all together. You know, she was going to benefit from the will. There's a strychnine bottle in her room because, of course, if you've just poisoned someone, you'd put the bottle carefully in your room. (laughs) Well, people will find it in a nice box. Yeah, Yeah, of course. I'll keep it right there. No one's allowed to look in there. Are we all right with that? Yes. Uh, anyway, so... Um, did you see, it... I, I did, I did, um, I just to quickly say my how childish I am, where they, they find the, the bottle and the Bobby says, we found it in the Russian's box and I'm a child. So I, that really made me laugh. No, you're not <laughs> a child. This box is a, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a pseudonym <laughs> for what? <laughs> garden. How does your garden? The lady garden. <laughs> <laughs> with strychnine in it. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of um, communist name calling from Henry, and uh, it looks as though Katrina is the guilty one. She's got a strychnine bottle in her Russian yes. box, and uh, she stands the benefit. From... <laughs> um, she stands the benefit from the world. So uh, Jap and Poirot go to the Russian embassy, uh, where they have a tense confrontation with Nikolai, um, yes. the the man we saw Duh. at the beginning being given the. What the future ticket. And Poirot <laughs> finishes the interview by saying something quite interesting. He says, We know no one called Katrina Reiger. Thank you. You've been a great help. What was it that Marx called the opiate of the masses? Popular fiction, comrade. Ah, yes, of course. But we know, don't we? That popular fiction is not the opiate of the masses. What is the opiate of the masses? I was trying to think of something very funny. Yeah, (laughs) I was trying to think of something very funny and clever to put in there, but I can't because I'm too hot. Uh, But the answer is religion Religion is the opiate of the masses. So it looks like Nikolai was trying to turn him away from thinking Katrina could be anywhere to do with religion um, but Poirot's not fooled um, Katrina has been hiding shall we say at the Russian church in London and Poirot finds her there this is sanctuary you are safe here I want only to know the truth why did you run away I know what you all think it was I who poisoned here. Oh, yes, I know these signs. I have seen it in Russia when Stalin's men came. Your family was persecuted because of their position, so you fled secretly to England. What do you care? Like them, you wish me to be penniless. This I must know, mademoiselle. Did no one touch the medication but you? I would rather have died. And Mademoiselle Barbie had for her dinner only what we know? Of course, or somebody would have noticed. It must have been a great trial for a girl like you to work for another. Fetch this. Carry that. When once you had servants of your own. I am a Vizimirov. I am not afraid of work. And are you afraid of the noose? Can we just, we're going to jump away from the narrative for a second just to check in on how Hastings is doing Becca White. Now, let's do this. This is 
fantastic. <laughs> because as we as we said, poor old Hastings has got terrible hay fever, so he's been mm. left behind to man the fort. Almost as soon as they've gone out, Mr. Trumper calls and he wants his money for that scent. He wants his money. Uh, Mr. Trumper, uh, the perfume popper. He's been on the phone day and night because he wants his five guineas. Mr. Trumper's phoned three or four times. He's really very upset. Perhaps I should send the cash around by messenger. Five guineas will settle the account. Certainly not, Captain Hastings. Just ignore it. I'll have words with him when I return. Yes, but... And on no account disturb the files. Bye for the moment. Mr. Trumper is pumpering, no, uh, Hastings for money. Uh, and Hastings is, oh, well, good Lord. I, I, I'm sure Miss Lemon meant to pay it. Let me go and check. And he breaks the first rule uh, of what he mentions is yeah. you you don't touch the filing system. The second, the second rule, rule of, of Whitehaven. You do not <laughs> you touch, touch the <laughs> filing system of Miss Lemon. What the filing system? WTF. <laughs> Never what the filing system. What the fuchsia system. are you doing by touching that filing system? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so he's desperately trying to find it. And at this point, he has turned miss lemon's office upside down inside out it's an absolute bomb site trying to find this thing and he's on the phone to miss lemon and he's like i'm shall i just shall i just send cash over to mr trumper and she's like absolutely not you leave him for me i'll deal with him later and god how terrifying would you how terrified would you be if you heard miss lemon was going to deal with you later or aroused maybe both how terrified would you be if you knew what miss lemon was like and you would absolutely Fuchsia'd her filing. <laughs> you watered those fuchsias big time bad, yeah. Because we all know she's been in search of the perfect filing system. That's her reason for being. And Hastings two just came in there. Doing it. Yeah. And he's just fuchsia'd the whole place right up. Yes. Absolutely. So fuchsia'd. He, <laughs> he's fuchsia'd it hard. Uh, and yeah, that's, that is. Uh, that's not going to end well for old Hastings. I think we're, we're safe to assume. Uh-huh. Uh, but now... The whole fact that uh, Hastings has fuched up the lemon filing system actually is very important because when Poirot hears Miss yes. Lemon on the phone to Hastings saying... Captain Hastings, what is this? Ah, uh, yes, I... I was going to explain about that. I told you not to pay this account. Well, Mr. Trumper was very persistent. But you don't know tradesmen. If you pay in cash, they'll never forget you. They'll think your checks aren't good. Of course. We will make another visit to Charles Green. You also, Miss Lemon. I, Mr. Poirot? Oh, yes. I want you to pay a visit to a fishmonger. We're basically also going to be disqualified out before we get into that. Hastings is back and he gives, uh, when, when they return to Whitehaven, sorry, Hastings gives Poirot a packet of old letters that have arrived uh, and they're from Amelia's accountant. And he compares the letters to the letter that Amelia had sent him and asks Hastings to spot the difference and oh how we've missed <laughs> <Whoa>. Hastings when <laughs> when in another clip drop perhaps where he says... Oh, Hastings. 
How I have missed your powers of deduction. As you say, Miss Lemon, we have that point of you no paying cash and all this. He sends Miss Lemon to the fishmonger. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is when he decides to return to Amelia Barraby's house. And it's denouement time, baby. We are it there. Is. It's just one more thing we need to mention quickly. Jap believes that he's cracked the clue that came from the seed packet. (laughs) Now, if you remember the description of the seed packet, red flowers, it said stocks at the top, and at the bottom, the variety was uh, Catherine the Great. He assumes that Miss Barraby was trying to get a clue across to say that Katrina, which is the Russian version of Catherine, was something to do with her death. Now, Katrina is in custody, so Jap is very, very pleased with the fact that he has managed to solve the Barabi conundrum. It was on the seed packet all the time. Catherine the Great. Or in Russian, Katrina. I realised on the way over. But there you go. So we have um, the denouement. This is about 41 minutes into the show, so if you want to stop here and go and solve it for yourself, all the clues are there. Believe me, they really are all Mm -hmm. there. Uh, The seed packet is on show... Uh, Miss Lemon has made a point of saying, if you pay in cash, they'll never forget you. They'll think your checks aren't good. And she's been quickly shooed off to uh, the fishmonger. And if you think about some of the things you've seen in the episode before there and what the title of the episode is, maybe you'll have an (laughs) inkling as to where this is going. But we need to break away there, 41 minutes in. Frankie. Yes. Think about, as well as those very visual clues... Think about the relationships in Amelia Barraby's house. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say on that. If we if we spell it out too much, it's going to be really bloody obvious. Uh, so yeah. that's all we're going to say. Go and see if you can solve it and let us know if you do. Because it's fun. Adam, did you solve this one? This is one I did solve because um, yeah. I do, I do, I do uh, without revealing who is the perpetrator yeah. behind the poisoning, it's kind of, it must be that pers- that party, shall we say. Yes. Um, because yeah. that said, I do think it's very clever. And when the denouement comes, mm. it reveals certain details of how it was done. I do think it's um, extraordinarily clever. Even the title of the show plays into the way it was done. So it might not be obvious straight away. No, I and I, I did too. And I'll t- I'll say how I came to it after the music because i don't want to spoil it for anyone but what would you rate this episode adam i would rate this a six on terms of mystery only because i think there are too many clues in inverted uh, quote marks that don't need to be there i do think the seed packet thing is a big distraction that doesn't need to be there and i do think um there are a couple of things like the the ticket at the beginning that they made such a thing out of is not necessary i think the the what you should be looking at is that, that Amelia Barraby was killed. How was it done and how was it covered up? And I think there's so many mm. pieces, like tassels on this mystery that don't need to be there. That once you know how it was done, you can sort of see through the trimmings, should we say. Mm. I just think there were too many trimmings on this. The edging. I do, yeah. <laughs> I do think it's very good <laughs> and I really enjoy the denouement. But I think in terms of mystery, six. Yeah, I was going to say six as well, because it is solid, as you say, and it's solvable, which is always fun. Uh, interesting you say about the seed packet, because I actually found that helpful when I was solving it, but we'll talk really? about that now. Music. Okay. Um, 
Yes, um, which I'll explain why later. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a solid one. It's fun, and all of the comedic elements around it make it really really enjoyable as well. So it's a really good episode, and it was really fun to watch it with the watch along actually to have other people's yeah. thoughts and things. Really good one for a group watch. I I, I do think the production values on this are insane, and I do think mm. it's so great to see Poirot at the Chelsea Flower Show in nineteen. Oh my god, I know. But not just that to have this pastoral cottage mm. setting for you know the whole second and third acts is so wonderful to have it's a lovely lovely yes. episode and i love it and i'm so glad it exists but i do think there yes. is so much in it that if you stripped it back it would be just as good you're yeah, right anyway. i think they stuffed so many red herrings in it and mm. they've tried to make it very like yeah trying to tr- ooh, trip you up and things but no i i do agree and yeah the set stunning the church that she goes into gorgeous as well uh it's all it's all really really beautiful and yeah very well acted as we say god amelia barraby's death will haunt me i think until my death very potentially <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> Anyway, um, what was your well, favourite sick burn of the episode? Oh, God, there are some really good ones in this. Uh, I say that every week, but there really are. Um, I think... Oh, we didn't talk about... There was one scene. This one isn't necessarily a really good burn, but it was just such a fun line. Uh, there's the scene where they return to the Barraby house and it turns out that Katrina's gone. She's done a runner. And Jap is giving the Bobbies a real dressing down for having let her go and not notice it. And he says this line when they, when the uh, Poirot and Miss Lemon get back where he says, If there wasn't a lady present, your ears would be burning so much they boil what's left of your brains. I love that. And his delivery of it is so great. Uh, it was either that or, oh God, one of the many things, like the nappy rash comment. I really enjoyed that as well. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? My favourite is, uh, it comes from about five minutes in and it's Hastings. And he's talking to Miss Lemon about what the hell is Poirot doing in the bathroom? And I'm, I'm not even going to try and recreate it. I'll just drop it in here. Perhaps he's dying his hair. But he's a man. But he's a man. But he's... <laughs> Clearly, Hastings has not heard of Just for Men. <laughs> oh, but he so. will. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Well, that's not true because, as we know, our good friend Hugh is a stunning silver fox nowadays. <laughs> he <laughs> certainly <laughs> is. Good heavens. Very much. <laughs> good Lord. Good Lord, I say. Dirty swine. <laughs> damn offensive. You're damned offensive. Yes, anyway, um, yes. if you want to go away and solve the puzzle, I would say that the three clues you need to take particular note of are the garden trimming that is going on. I would say that further to that, what type of shells are being used in the garden trimming? The third one. Strychnine is the poison that was used to kill, and it's very, very bitter. And um, Poirot, yes. at 41 minutes, sends Miss Lemon off to see a fishmonger. And you have to ask yourself what kind of foodstuff would be so powerful tasting that um, that it's able to mask the flavour of strychnine. Mm. And then you tie that into the two other things I just mentioned. <laughs> Maybe. A, um, cullin- yeah. a culinary mystery. <laughs> yeah, Very mystery. good. Yeah, what do you think, anyway? <laughs> Well, because uh, but you don't. This because interestingly, you don't think the seed packet is a clue, and I do. I really don't. But go on. So you, we'll you talk about that after the music. Go on. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, and okay. So Adam doesn't agree with me on this one, but I mm. think another very important clue is really do study the seed packet and think about what they now know about 
the household. And I'm that's what I'm going to say about it. I'll talk about it more after the music and reveal what did it for me. Cool. Okay? Well, um, <laughs> go away and solve it. Remember to pause it at 41 and a half minutes if you want to uh, come back and see what we think about. And uh, yeah, have fun with it. You can solve this one. The clues are all there. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, do come back after the musicals thing. And uh... One other thing I forgot to mention at the top of the episode. Today, at the time of recording, which is on what, revealing the magic of the podcast, the 28th <laughs> of June, uh, it's a year since we released our first episode. What? Is it 28th yeah. of June? 2022 we released our first episode yeah yes i'm a little bit shocked. happy anniversary adam <laughs> happy anniversary frankie <laughs> i love so you and that's i love pretty this show cool. so much i'm so happy to oh same <laughs> and i'm glad we came back it wasn't just a, a, a little lie we actually we keep did saying it this, we you know we, we came back everyone we came back as if it's like you know it was ever in doubt <laughs> so i have to say no you know, it's never going anywhere. We're going to see this thing through right through to the end because we do love making this show and we're yeah. such big fans of each other and we're not going anywhere. This is going to this is gonna run the course, no. so do stick with us. Yes. To the bitter end, right through to Podathan Creek, we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Pod. <laughs> we can think of a better name for that as we go, I think. There we go. But, it has to be that terrible. Thank you to everyone. That's, thanks to everyone who's listened over the last year. What a bloody brilliant year it's been and i'm very excited for all the years to come and i am at the time of this airing hopefully we're running a little competition uh, as a celebration of the fact that we've been going for a year so go over to our instagram and uh, twitter accounts to win a beautiful copy of five little pigs uh, which i'm tempted to keep for myself if i'm honest because it's one of my favorites and it's so beautiful as well so uh we'll see if i'm generous enough to actually give it away at the time <laughs> the competition ends quote yeah we'll, we'll get there we'll although get there. i have a... <laughs> yeah we'll tattooed get there. on your body has anyone entered that yes. competition by the way where i asked them to guess what quote it was no one actually did one a couple of people messaged being like i'm trying to figure it out and although they never actually tried so okay. nobody did and i've revealed the tattoo on my instagram now so um mystery solved <laughs> sorry everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. you had your chance folks <laughs> yes <laughs> right shall we cool. go and solve this thing now let's do it yeah cool We'll see you after the music, folks. Au revoir. Au revoir. We're back. <laughs> we are. Well, are you ready for a pretty wild slash hilarious ending to this episode? It's stocked. With incident, isn't it, Frankie? Oh boy. The last seven minutes, everything goes fuchsia mental, fuchsiaing mental. It, it has, I have to say, my favourite attempted escape of all time <laughs> on any kind of media. Attempted it's... escape is the correct word for it. <laughs> okay. Shall we let Poirot explain? Let's get into it. Let's do it. Yes. It. As you know, Mademoiselle Barbie had written to me. But she dared not to confide to me her exact worries in case that letter it had been intercepted. But then, you know, wonder upon wonders, she catches sight of me at the flower show, so she contrives the brief meeting. Oh, oh, oh pardon, mother. Oh, no, Please oh, allow no, me. No, no, no. no it was my fault. <laughs> Thinking that I had already read her letter. She spoke to you. Oh, yes, but you see, madame, here was a problem. 
She might be watched. She might be overheard. So she passes to me an innocent packet, which is a clue to that which she suspects. A clue? Yes. In fact, Monsieur le Docteur, it was something that you said that finally made it clear to me the significance of the packet. Stocks. I telephoned to the accountant of Mademoiselle Barabi in the city, who confirmed that during the recent months, Mademoiselle Barabi had been moving into the ventures of most high risk, as these letters of instruction to her broker prove. Except, these letters, they were not written by Mademoiselle Barabi. Oh, no. They are the forgeries of the most skillful. Damnable bullshit. Quite under all the noses. Ah, yes. Monsieur de la Fontaine. You attempt to confuse me with your ridiculous stories about spies. Mademoiselle Rager is a Russian aristocrat, not a communist. In truth, Monsieur de la Fontaine, you have been trying to conceal a most devious murder. Mr. Poirot, is this melodrama essential? When I first came here, Monsieur le Doctor, this beautiful garden, it reminded me of your famous English nursery rhyme. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With the silver bells and the cockle shells and the pretty maids all in a row. Except they were not cockle shells that were used in the border of the garden. They were oyster shells. The favorite but forbidden treat of your aunt, were they not? Madame de la Fontaine. You also saw me at the flower show. But you could not risk a discovery that for some time you had once again been speculating with the stocks. Only on this occasion, madame, with the money of your aunt. I love the way he does that <laughs> poem delivery, by the way. With the silver oh. bells. With the silver bells. And the cockle shells. With the cockle shells. And the cockle shells. <laughs> <laughs> you really, yes, you really feel the coin in that one. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> that delivery. <laughs> I think he swallowed a pound or two. <laughs> oh my god i've also just forgot to shout out the best comment that we received on instagram which made me for me so much joy i want to shout out to the i've got to find it sorry because i know the people listening to this are going to love it as much as we did because i sent it to you the other day <laughs> to grandma foam commented i heard he had a golf ball between his cheeks so that he could walk the way he does. Wow. You did send that what to me. A, yes. What an image. Imagine it's... trying to cleanse a golf ball between those two flabby... <laughs> <laughs> what a party trick. Wow. I've heard of similar things being done with ping pong balls, but a golf ball is next level. <laughs> I mean, I holding a golf ball there, that's sting level. Uh, tantric muscle. <laughs> he has been doing his squats and he is buns of steel <laughs> for the golf ball. Anyway, sorry, deviated slightly. Just had to get that in because I forgot how brutal. <laughs> it's been making me laugh ever since I read it. Perhaps he's been uh, sort of coveting that skill since Murder and the Muse with Miss Plender Leith and her golf clubs. He was like, you know, <laughs> got a pound coin, just ain't cutting it anymore. Golf, Maybe she hit ball. it into there and he <laughs> caught it. Hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call a driver. Oh, uh, I'm trying to think of other <laughs> golf words. I'm not very good at them. That would be. I would be really teed off. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Golf words. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> You tiger would have to outdo me. <laughs> Stop it. 
Stop it. <laughs> Rory Crackleroy. Is that a golfer? This is where my knowledge ends. It is, yes. Don't worry. Not okay. Rory Crackleroy, cool. but more... Yeah, anyway. Let's not... Anyway, go for it. <laughs> let's talk about this. No, let's not do this anymore. Uh, yes. The whole podcast. <laughs> Just hang up. Uh, so, yes. We find out that the killer... Adam, who are they? They are Mary and Henry. Rich old Biddy takes in her penniless relatives, holds the purse strings. The temptation is to speed up the natural process and collect. So the Delafontaines, they were dependent on the money of Mademoiselle Barbie? Totally. Hadn't a pain of their own. Delafontaine. Yes. Yes. The niece and her husband. Good surname. They were in it together. I love Delafontaine as a as a surname. Just for murderers. Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yes. yes. And he explains how he solved it. They all ate the same meal. So how was the poison administered to Amelia Barabee? What Mary did was that she knew that Amelia had a penchant for oysters. So she bought a pound of oysters and kept it hidden from the rest of the household that administered the strychnine to the oysters. Therefore, when Amelia ate the oysters, she did not notice the flavour of the strychnine because the bitter flavour was hidden by the taste of raw oysters going down your throat, which I've always found a vile concept. What do you think, Frankie? I love oysters, (laughs) so I would definitely be dead by now. (laughs) Yes, I really do. Yum, they're delicious. Uh, And I think you've just got to have them with the right stuff. Bit of Tabasco on there, a bit of lemon, oof, a twist of lemon. Goes with everything. Uh, yeah. but, I mean, do you know what? I, as I said, I'd be long dead by now if I... <laughs> Anything to, to make them not taste like me. oysters is what you're saying. Yeah. No, they taste good. Uh, okay, so now everybody listening knows how, how to kill me uh, because I will eat all the oysters <laughs> full with strychnine. That is how I will die. Uh, because, yeah, she was just being greedy. They taste very good. She did, she thought they were bitter and they were meant to be. Those are bad oysters, I'm going to say it. Uh, I love them. They're delicious. How sinister and how dark is it to think that you're sitting there watching someone eat oyster after oyster that you've laced with strychnine and knowing what it's going to do to them later. How dark is that when you really think about it? It's very chilling. The problem was how to dispose of the evidence. Now, you have a ton of oyster shells that are laced with strychnine. Yeah. Um, so what does she do? She takes them out to the garden and she makes a lovely little border of cockle shells slash oyster shells, which Poirot and Miss Lemon noticed the moment they walked in, there are suddenly a row of shells in the garden that were unfinished. So there is your solution, basically. Um, and, and the silver bell that Poirot found when he dug around in the oyster shells was the bell that Amelia Barraby used to ring persistently to call help or to call aid or to call yeah. someone in to make her tea or to make her, you know, I need you, I need you, I need you. And Mary had grown absolutely infuriated with the sound of this bell so that's why that was in the 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 garden as well so Poirot confronts her with this evidence along with the evidence you're gonna have to do this bit because I still for the life of me don't see the relevance let's talk about okay so I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about the flower packet all right the seed packet so this is and this is how I solved it as well because if you remember as Adam very beautifully described the, the seed packet it's got a few words on it. It's got Catherine the Great, which Jap thinks that solves it. It doesn't. The key word you want to be looking at is stocks. And 
if you remember when they talked to Dr. Sims and he told that he told Poirot that Mary and Henry lost their money in the stock market crash. Dabbled in stocks and shares, I'm afraid. Crash hit them as badly as any of us. The motive for the murder, the reason why they did it, was because they had been writing letters to Amelia Barraby's stock manager. I, they have a name and I don't know what they are called. All of a sudden my brain is melted. Stockbroker, that's the one. Uh, they wrote, they've been forging letters saying to invest all of Amelia Barraby's money in high risk stocks because that's how they lost their money. They clearly didn't learn a bloody lesson. So they were doing that. And she obviously was catching wind that something dodgy was going on and that they were doing something with her money. So that's the reason why she also gave all of her money in her will to Katrina. She didn't want Mary or Henry to get what was left of the money that they were clearly blowing through on the stock market. So when she saw Poirot, she didn't want to put too much detail in her letter in case it was intercepted. So she kept it light on the detail. She was also very conscious that at the flower show, someone could be watching her. So she was thinking, how do I tell him I figured out what's going on here? And then she saw the seed packet with stocks on it. It's not the clearest way of telling someone that you suspect someone of stock market (laughs) fraud. But that's what she's working with what she's got at the Chelsea Flower Show. And that's what she did. That was what got it for me was when the doctor pointed out that Denise and uh, her husband had lost their money in the stock market. And then you look at the seed packet and stock is written in big letters. I was like, okay, so that's why they did it. It was them. Let's talk about some of the missives we've had from some <laughs> yes. listeners, shall we? Go on. Uh, do you, can you pull yes. them up? Can you can you quickly I can uh, see what other people thought of that so, in particular. Well, as you as you've commented on, um our dear my dear friend William Hussey and lovely listener of the show, uh he tweeted us saying so unless i'm getting my episodes mixed up you aren't uh i need to know what did you guys make of the stocks clue it felt a bit of a stretch like would the old lady really give poirot the seed packet anticipating that he would appreciate that connection you think not you think no that's ridiculous right it's so obvious and when you when you see the episode and she hands the packet yeah it says stocks right across the middle it's like it can't be that surely it has to be Catherine the great underneath but it's not it's the actual big obvious stocks thing and it's really they're investing in the stock market that was i don't know it just doesn't sit with me i don't know it was like a red herring that wasn't red in the end. It's very. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do know what you mean. It's not his best. It's not her best clue. I will say that. That you know. And also, when she gives him the seed packet and she tells him that he'll find it. Uh, what's the word she uses? Quite a revelation. She should have been like, "You should really put some stock in <laughs> this <laughs> gardening uh, thing," uh, or like really kind of you know, wink, wink. Because she says to him as yeah. well, you know, you'll find this quite a revelation. Why don't you just say it's about stocks? Yeah, here you go. And here's a thing to prove it. It's a seed packet. <laughs> Tapping the stock has no seeds bit. in it. Yeah, it's a stock. Da, 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 da. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was so interesting that she emptied the seeds out. I didn't so he's see like, no, don't part. get distracted by seeds. Don't get distracted by the seeds. Look at stock. <laughs> That's what we need it, to see. It's, it's a clumsy clue. It, it doesn't, is. It doesn't work. I, I do get. I do get why. It ties into the whole thing at the end, but I just think it's so carefully yes, done. It is. It's not the best. It's not the best. It's not, I agree. It's not worthy but of Agatha. I don't think. But yeah. Anyway, moving on. Well, I, so instantly, once Poirot reveals it, Henry 
cracks. <laughs> Basically mm. straight away, drunk old Henry yeah. is like, oh yeah, he's got us. <laughs> I'm afraid the fishmonger remembers you buying the oysters on that day. You see, madame, you were foolish enough to pick cash. He's got us, Mary. You idiot! And then she makes <laughs> yeah. the worst run for it I've ever seen in the history of media, <laughs> which is absolutely the most... Jo- I've rewatched this last night. I watched it again a week ago. We watched it with the crowd, and it's one of the most joyous things ever. You walk it's to so the corner. Funny. It's so fantastic. She walks to the corner of a lawn, is somehow shimmied back by the presence <laughs> of police, and walks to the other corner of the lawn, and then yeah. runs into the arms of a lawn, and then sort of staggers back and... It's just brilliant to watch. It's like a keystone. It's hilarious. Escape. It's fantastic. It's like that scene in Austin Powers when he's trying to reverse out of that corridor and he's just <laughs> going, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> like that. And he's like, she's not, you're not going anywhere, love. What yeah. are you doing? Just stop it. Is this just supposed to be perilous? Uh, because if so, you failed. <laughs> massively <laughs> it's just I think everyone just felt a bit sorry for her at that point like oh no this is really embarrassing like what's she doing <laughs> stop it it's really sad and then she runs into the garden shed grabs the weed killer like haha this will do it you'll never take me alive <laughs> she, <says>. so <laughs> she holds up the weed killer triumphantly like this is my escape and then she necks it Whiskey? Sorry, darling. You fool! It's whiskey. <laughs> oh, Henry. Oh, Henry, Henry, Henry. You should it well. right up for her. Mm. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you, you've sent me to the gallows or something. <laughs> like, it's brilliant. Brilliant. It's so, brilliant. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, yes, Henry and Mary were the villains all along. They poisoned Mary's aunt because they've been playing the stock market with her money, because they'd lost all their money. And uh, yes, that was the uh, that was the answer yes. to the whole thing. But we're not done yet, are we? We're going back to White Heaven. Oh, no. Uh, and they're discussing the fact that Katrina's been released and it's all good. She's been reunited with Nikolai, her lover, and she's off to the Ritz. Like, fair play to her. That's where I would go if I just got released from prison and inherited a fortune. Why uh, the hell not? I love the uh, fact that, so... you know, she, she hints at the fact that they're going back there not to have tea or anything. Yeah, really going back there to, you know, get it on. That's all, miss. Take us to the Ritz. Swipe me, she's the Queen of Sheba. DTF. (laughs) (laughs) Not WTF. They're going back there to future the hell out of each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, damn right. Got to make up for some lost future time. Uh, But we were back at Whitehaven and Hastings can breathe again. He's not sneezing and snotting around the place anymore. And he turns out it wasn't hay fever, but a certain allergy. Let's say it's got something to do with Mr. Trumper, the perfume pumper. <laughs> <laughs> I love how proud of yourself you are for that. And you should be. I don't feel proud at all. I'm personally proud, but not publicly proud. <laughs> Um, You've said it four times at this pump. point. Five now. <laughs> it's very yeah. good. I'm but... going to play a clip from the last moment because it is just perfect and it explains everything. Yes. It wasn't hay fever after all. Certainly sounded like it. No, you remember I said I had an allergy once before. Well, I remembered what it was. An aunt of mine was fond of a particular French lady's perfume. Hey. Every time I went near her or in the room where she'd been, I couldn't stop sneezing. I'm afraid, Miss Lemon, you must use a different perfume. I never wear perfume to work, Mr. Poirot. 
You don't. It'd be most inappropriate. Well, somebody's wearing perfume. I can smell it. Perhaps it is the flowers, my friend? No, it's different. It's over here somewhere. What on earth are you wearing? I do not know what you mean, Hastings. You're wearing scent. Nonsense, Hastings. I am wearing the discreet manly cologne that I purchased from Monsieur Trumper. For five guineas. Five guineas? I thought it was all his haircuts for a year. That is enough. The office of Poirot is closed for business. Miss Lemon, cover up your typewriter. Good day to you, Chief Inspector Jap. <laughs> and Hastings, will you please go home and nurse your unfortunate affliction? We end uh, on I- Quaro sniffing his fingers, which... Frankie, let's be honest, <laughs> is the way mm-hmm. you always want to end any association with Poirot. But, it, yeah. Oh, you know it. <laughs> Just the, I was about to say the smell of pound coins. <laughs> yeah, my childish brain. Uh, he's taking great pleasure in snipping his fingers <laughs> because he loves his he loves his his French lady's perfume. He's he's not going to give it up for old Hastings. It's uh, pure pure pleasure. Welcome to season three, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's finger sniffing good, and uh, we're back 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 with a bang. How does your garden grow? I what love a that. Delightful L- tree. Long that and was. boring. <laughs> Longer and more boring. Finger sniffing fun. That's on your t shirt range. <laughs> yes. I can't wait till the world tour. Um, yeah, anyway, oh, we're boy. back. And that was uh, How Does Your Garden Grow? Lots of fun. It's a fun episode, isn't it? I just, I think the mystery really is slightly fun. convoluted in terms of, you know, there's too, slightly too many trimming should we say in terms of the, the, the most not yeah. as pure as something like uh problem at sea but still hugely enjoyable. Oof. um yeah i mean it's a yes. 10 in terms of enjoyment but, uh, yeah six yes. in terms of mystery um so what are we on to next frankie do you know the mm. next episode is the million dollar bond robbery oh nice i like that one yes you like your pulpy titles this is what this like is a pulpy, pulpy series i think yeah definitely yeah it's good we have some good ones coming up and lots and lots of really cool guest stars coming up now we have uh, Peter Capaldi yes. coming up in series 3 we also yes. have David Bamber coming up later on I really like David Bamber um, yeah lots of cool stuff coming yes. up Stephanie Cole is coming up Frederick Trees is coming up Nathaniel Park is coming up in the affair at the Victory Ball can't wait for that one Hayden Gwynn really good season this one it's very very solid and yeah, um, yeah they're really moving into some great mysteries but the yes. million dollar bond robbery oh. is the next one which is really good fun oh so excited so happy to be back and back on this because as you say great season ahead and it's going to be a lot of fun so 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. And sorry about the bumper size of this episode, but obviously uh, taking a four or five week break means that the correspondence is built up in the background. So we had to get all of those done. Yes. And if you want to add to the correspondence pile for the next episode, you can do that. Uh, you can email us at bonjour at the labors of com, or you can... Uh, send us a message on the socials at Labours of Hercule uh, I love to get them so please do send them in please thank you and don't forget to enter the competition as soon as you possibly yes. can because uh, you could win a fantastic edition of Five Little Pigs containing the quote yes. that Frankie has tattooed upon her body indeed and it's not by Agatha Christie so. <laughs> it's uh, published by HarperCollins uh, no, it, it's running until the 12th of July uh, so try and get in there before then and uh, yeah you have two chances of winning so good luck bon chance and uh, yeah I hope you win <laughs> we think so <laughs> there we go and uh thank cool. you so much for joining us again and thank you so much for returning and thank you so much for sticking with us even though we had a slight break in there in the summer we're back now for season three and uh everything else beyond i have to yes. say we're coming to the end of the whitehaven 4 era of the <sighs> stories so it's gonna be slightly emotional coming up but um, do stick with us because um, there are so many Poirot adventures to enjoy and love and uh, as you know we're going to do everything we can to do all of them justice until next time though for the million dollar bond robbery Frankie love you lots thank you so much for returning with me and uh, au revoir thanks for letting me (laughs) (laughs) au revoir If you'd like to keep up to date with what we're doing or get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Labours Hercule. We're also on Instagram if you like pictures at Labours of Hercule. And if you were born in the 1920s yourself, then you can be all old fashioned and email us at bonjour at thelaboursofhercule.com. That's it from us. See you next time. Au revoir, mes amis.